Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. We have from Fox our go-to correspondent when it comes to picking majors. Shane, we didn't get to do this for the U.S. Open where we just basically read off every player in the field as if we like their chances. From Fox, Mr. Shane Bacon, who do we like for the British Open? Uh, do you want me to just read down the yeah. FedEx Cup just, standings? Yeah, is that the, yeah is just that read the from here? the top. Actually, do they have, is the field <laughs> finalized yet? Can we just read the entire field off? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I uh, I love um, Thomas Aiken. Okay, got a great <laughs> alphabetical <Aiken>. order. <laughs> um, first, thanks for having me. Always a good time. Happy to be uh, happy to be back uh, at my home. It's been a kind of a long two weeks. Crazy, crazy two weeks working. But yeah, um, what's what's you know, talk talk to us about what your life's been like for the last like month? Because from what we can tell on social media, I was actually joking about the British Open question. We'll get to that. From what we see on social media, you're basically living the dream, playing. I think all 378 courses in Scotland, and then then you just broadcasted two events. Um, but it's is it as per, it's as perfect as it seems, right? Oh, it's just perfect. You know that it's been a you know it's been my last like nine ten weeks have been pretty crazy. I mean, I think when people complain or I'm not, I would not complaining, but when people talk about how much they've been traveling and such. You know, that's kind of like when people talk about flights being delayed. You're like, well, every story is the same, so why would you do that to, my, to me? But, um, yeah, I mean, I got to go out to Scotland and play a whole bunch of the courses up in the Highlands, which was really cool because I've never played up there. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, everybody goes to Scotland and plays the old course in Kings Barnes and Turnberry and all that stuff. But that Highlands area, man, whew, I, I played a, probably my favorite course in the little trip is a course called Nairn. Which you know, I mean, I I've never really even heard much about it, you know, and, and going up there and getting a chance to do that. Really, I mean, if you've read Tom Coyne's book about Ireland, I just think everybody should do that in Scotland or Ireland, like once in their life. Just go somewhere and take your clubs and have no reservations and play some golf. Um, but yeah, right after that, it was it was off to work and um, out out of Chambers for a week, then out in Sacramento for the senior, which. Um, you know, when you when the hype for Chambers Bay and getting all excited for obviously the U.S. Open and the first one for Fox and getting to be a part of it, yada, 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 and then you get to the, the senior and you're kind of like, you know, I hope it's not a letdown week, right? And to have as crazy of a, of a finish as that, I mean, that was just to be a part of that and like being in it was like almost as exciting as Chambers Bay. And I know it's weird to think that, but like, you know, when you're doing that for work and, and and getting to do this thing, and there's like nine people changing leads on Saturday and Sunday, and all these different things happening. I mean, you know, it could be you and your buddies playing, and if, if somebody was like watching that intently, it'd be pretty fun to watch, you know. Well, first, let me say thank you for getting me really inspired for my trip to play the old course, Turnberry and Kings Barnes, here in about a month, as it, as you <laughs> well, describe okay, it. Well, everyone so plays fun. those. I mean, you know that. Uh, no, no, no. I really appreciate. It. I'm really, really excited for that. You know, I planned uh, planned basically my entire summer around, and you just dismissed it as if it was. Uh, as if it was secondary to everything you do. No, that's great. No, thank you for that. Um, so, yeah, the first question I really wanted to ask you about basically broadcasting the U.S. Open was, I mean, how hard was it to follow the actual action going on? Because for, for those who don't know, Shane was doing the 
featured coverage online. He was covering, I believe, the 12th and the 15th holes. Basically, every group that came through there on a loop for, I think, nine hours at a time. I know you had some breaks in there, but how hard was it to actually follow what was going on in the tournament, yet still focus on your duties, you know, being the play-by-play announcer on those holes? Well, you know, one of the nice things we had was we had, um, in our in our booth, we had, um, you know, you have a whole bunch of, uh, you know, screens and stuff where you can follow what's going on and you see people walking off 11 and, and you can have a feel for it. But we also had like tournament coverage in there as well so that you know what's happening. And while it's, it's definitely harder to follow than say, I mean, obviously normally just sitting around watching, you know, simply the, the, the network broadcast of what's happening, but you know, you get a good feel for it. I mean, you know, you get to see the players come through twice, which is nice. I mean, you know, like you said, I get to do 12 and 15. So every player's coming through our, our window twice. So, you know, when Spieth would come through or Dustin would come through or whatever, you know, you get a chance to, to have them two times a day. But, you know, you want to make sure you know what's going on with them so that when they come through, it's not a surprise. Uh, so that's – it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. I'll say that. Now, I thought it was going to be me having no clue what was really happening in the championship. And then you get in the moment and you kind of have a feel for it. You're definitely focused on the leaderboard a lot of the time because you want to know where your players sit and stand when they come through. So I would say when I got to Chambers Bay, I was a little bit nervous that come Sunday I would have absolutely no idea what was actually happening, you know, in the competitive side of things because I'd be so focused on what we were doing. And we had a lot better clue of what was happening. And one of the nice things was on Sunday, so, you know, we're, we're staying through the window, right? We stayed through the guys mm-hmm. finishing on 15. So Dustin makes makes that par on 15, huge par. He had to make it. Um, and we have a sign-off, and it's, it's me and Robert Dameron, and we sign off. And I had our, our uh, stat guy, um, this guy named Kevin, I wrote him a note on, like, Dustin was, like, on 14. I, I go, go find us a golf cart, and handed him a, a note. <laughs> and um, Kevin's like, okay, and he, you know, he runs out, and he, and, he, and, he, and he comes back, and he's like, thumbs up. So they putt out on 15. I have our sign-off, and me and Robert, like, jet out the, out, the out our booth, jump in this guy's golf cart, and get out to um, – and we got out to 17, and we watch – Spieth make double on 17, and then we walked up 18 with them. And then I was up on 18, um, you know, watching those guys come through. And I- I've been in some, you know, uh, golf arenas before. Um, and that, the, the, what you heard, um, you know, Speed Eagle putt, if that thing would have gone down, it would have been crazy. But, you know, hearing that, hearing the cheers for him, and then the roar that came with Dustin's second oh shot God. was like crazy energy to feel. I mean, the. I feel like people don't really appreciate. I talked about this with Porter, I think, last week. Don't really appreciate how amazing those four shots really were. I mean, the, the, both of their drives, perfect. Spieth striping a three wood and DJ striping a five iron to within both within fifteen feet for Eagles to win the U.S. Open. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, on a six hundred yard par five, it's I mean, uphill too, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's a long golf hole and. It's what I said about Dustin, you know, and I wrote this in my mailbag last week about, you know, Dustin Johnson. And, of course, you know, the questions, and I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit about it. I don't know if it's even still relevant. But, you know, I mean, was it a choke? Was it not a choke? And my point was, you know, I mean, he, he, he had a really, really tough eagle putt. In my opinion, he had a good putt because it, it was it was high side, um, probably hit it a little bit too aggressively. But that's also an incredibly quick putt. It's straight downhill. You know, I thought that ball would feed. I thought it'd get to about seven feet. And it just kind of stayed on that hill. But if you think about Dustin Johnson after 16, 
He hits an absolutely hmm. perfect shot on 17, yeah. a perfect drive on 18, and a perfect second shot on 18. I mean, full swing-wise, in the pressure, you know, when he had to do it, he made three of probably the best swings he made all day, you know, to his final three full swings of the day. It just was unfortunate that, obviously, the, the, I mean, the, the bad shot was, you know, the, the birdie putt. I mean, that was just a pull, and you could tell right off the blade. But, um, yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. I mean, people say, oh, man, he's not clutched, da-da-da, and you go, well, I mean, he hit some great, great, great shots. It just was an unfortunate three-putt at the end. Yeah, I mean, like, we'll be looking at it differently if, let's say, he drove it, you know, five yards off the fairway and into a bunker, had to pitch out, and then, you know, hit a wedge to within five feet or whatever, then miss the putt. I mean, I think we'd still be, you know, flinching a little bit at, you know, that at that five-footer. But let's say he wedges, like, 10, 12 feet and misses the putt. There's no way we'd call it a choke. Like, the only reason it's a choke is he put himself in such a great position. Yeah, yeah. from 12 feet to three-putt, that is brutal. But, like, people comparing uh, – I mean, uh, like, I've heard people make, like, Vandeveld comparisons. Like, that's a oh, worst – it's like, stuff. God, no way. No way. But, uh, I mean, it was – I don't know. I, I've said this in, in our – I think in our recap or whatever, and I talked about this with Porter, just about – I hated the fact that it came down to a four-foot putt on those bumpy and unpredictable greens. I mean, I don't know where you stand on what what you saw out there at Chambers Bay, and I know you played out there about a month or two before. I mean, what were the greens like, A, when you played out there, and what did you think about the overall the players complaining about the greens and the actual surfaces? Well, I mean, I, I think you've heard stuff come out at this point about the surfaces and how obviously there was some pole that got in there that they, were, that they weren't expecting, obviously. Um, you know, it, I went out and rolled balls on our two holes every day, and I never got any of those hops like we saw with Brent Snedeker. You know, I mean, I, yeah. I just I never saw anything that bumpy. But I was also out there earlier in the morning, you know, so I got them kind of at their smoothest time. I, I think that when I played it, they were they were I mean they were great. I mean, you know, when I, when I played it, I probably played it what seven eight weeks ago before, or seven eight weeks before you know the U.S. Open week, so they were. I mean, they were in great condition when I was out there. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, obviously you can't predict that kind of stuff. I was just reading, I was finishing up the Shane Ryan book and, you know, you forget about Pinehurst last year and Pinehurst looking so difficult, so tough. Martin Keimer saying that he'd take eight over before the (laughs) championship started. And then, you know, and then they watered it and rain came in and it was a little bit different. So, you know, it's just, you can't predict that kind of stuff. And so, you know, people saying, will they ever have anything out there again? Is Chambers Bay ever going to host anything? I mean, I think that, you know, they, they would want the Greens to be in better shape next next time. But, I mean, I think when you look at the leaderboard and when you look at who finished towards the end, you can't take away from the names there. I mean, yeah. I think that although the best players in the world did rise, you know, up at Chambers Bay. And I think that's very important in the sense of what you won in the championship. So, um you know, I mean, you, you could have had, you know, I mean, listen, I always say we had Chad Campbell and Sean McKeel battle for a major one time. When you get <laughs> Dustin Johnson and Jordan Spieth battling, you know, I mean, you got to take it when you can. And I mean, in the sense of drama and excitement at the end, I mean, Rory and Adam Scott and all this stuff happening. I mean, Oosthuizen's finish, are you kidding me? There was so much happening that I think all in all, when you look back, you look at it as a, as a successful U.S. Open simply because of what happened at the end and the drama that was built. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't. I think it worked out really well for them as far as you know who was there at the end of the day. It being really close, and you know the the guys that struck it the best were there at the end of the week. But it, the the neutralization of the putting factor. I mean, I, th- I saw Spieth hit putts I've never seen him hit before, 
And the whole time I'm I'm waiting down that back nine and just hoping that it doesn't come down to a, a you know a really unpredictable and crucial putt. And I don't I don't know if that last putt was can can be blamed on a piece of poa that came up or DJ really just pulled it. But I mean that that was I guess my my biggest complaint with Chambers. But there was just and there were some instances where I mean like Jason Day stripes a ball down the middle of the fairway, prematurely grabs the tee and then it hits something and it ends up in the left rough or like. I think it was, Spieth hit a tee shot on eight on either Saturday or Sunday that hit in the left rough and missed the fairway to the right. It kicked so hard. So I just think that there were some a lot of really quirky things that, you know, it, it loses. Uh, I'm, I'm all for a challenge, but at the same time, there's really good shots that were just punished, you know, and some really quirky shapes to it. Yeah, but like you know, okay, and and I mean, definitely moments, and, and I agree with you. And, and there was times where you thought a good shot was great, and it would obviously not be rewarded, you know. But like when 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 events are played on courses like that, be it in the U.S. Open or a British Open, you know, if it's a dried out British Open week or something like that, I, I feel like that kind of stuff happens at times. And I'll also say, you know, I mean, they're going to Oakmont next year. I mean, Oakmont. Is, yeah, Oakmont is so hard. I mean. I just think the players these days, especially, tend to com- pull the complaint card faster than it's ever been pulled. And I think when stuff's not absolutely 100% perfect, you know, people at, you know, people at home might not understand. Like, the PGA Tour, for the most part, every week is played in almost exactly similar conditions. You right. know, the fairways are perfect. The greens are running about the same speed. They're always, almost always perfect. I, again, I go back to Shane Ryan's book. He was talking about. Uh, it was a Matt Every's win or whatever, and it was it was a, I think it was the Greenbrier or something when the greens were really bad. No, it was uh, Derek was, Ernst at uh, Derek Wells Fargo. Ernst, yeah, yeah, and, it, and the greens were really bad, and people were complaining and playing. And you go, listen, so, you know, sometimes there's just stuff you can't predict, and, right. and like I think that the players are so used to this absolutely perfectly manicured place that if it's a bit off, then they are just up in arms, and you want to go, guys. You know, this isn't uh, you know this isn't a world hunger issue. I mean, you're playing golf. Like let's let's take it down a notch and and just try to have a little bit of perspective. And at the end of the day, the U.S. Open's not supposed to be easy. And and at the end of the day, I think the best player in the world won it. I don't think. I mean, I think Jordan Spieth is playing the best golf in the world by far. And um and it'll be interesting when they get to St. Andrews. I played St. Andrews about three weeks ago, and it was in perfect condition. Now, who knows what's going to happen in in you know yeah. in a week and a half when they get there or in the five weeks since I was there, but when I was there it was in great condition. So you know it just kind of depends on. I mean, what if they got a scorching summer? You know, you just never quite know. But you know, you could always hope for the best. But I think the guys that you know, I never really heard. The only time I really heard Speed complain was about eighteen. You know, that was the only time I heard him really get up in arms was about the part four, not the part five. And I thought keeping that kind of perspective on it is a helpful thing because once you, I really do believe when guys started complaining and saying, Oh, this is too hard. Like they were just, they just didn't have a chance, you know, because you already played yourself out of it mentally. But I think also the, the root of a lot of the complaining, um, comes from, I, I think it does affect the setup and the players show up during the week and they're whining about this. So, and so, Oh, they gotta be careful. It doesn't get out of hand. Oh, these, some of these pins are ridiculous. You can't tell me that doesn't have a little bit of effect on Mike Davis and his team and the way they set it up. I mean, I think they are guard. They do guard against it spiraling out of control. That's the last couple opens have been. I mean, I, I what well, Rory obviously won a congressional at sixteen under, which is ridiculous for a U.S. Open. 
Um, Keimer won at nine under last year. I think Speed this year was at five under. I forget what uh, 2013 who wanted at, at or what what they wanted at there. But I think all the complaining is it, it it's kind of it softens the course some, and they're going to water the course some just to make sure that things don't get out of completely out of control. And you go to a course like Chambers Bay that doesn't have the history of a Pebble Beach or an Oakmont or whatnot. I mean. They don't have to worry about, you know, there's members walking around golf courses and, you know, partaking in these events. And, you know, you don't hear people complaining ridiculously about the setup at Oakmont or Pebble like they were about Chambers Bay. There's no members at Chambers Bay. Like, they they have no one to worry about offending. And it's a course they've never been to before, so the players just let it rain. I mean, they had nothing to hold back on. But, I mean, I think, I mean, obviously we saw Speeds complaining, I think, helped him. I mean... I don't think Mike Davis, who claimed that the wind was the reason he made 18 to par 5 on Sunday, I don't think that was the reason why. I think it was because of what Jordan Speed said. I, I, I will say, whoever's decision it was, thank the good Lord oh, that it was man. a par 5. Because Seriously. That was, uh, you know, in my opinion, having 18 as a par 5 there especially was extremely important for the excitement level. And I, I mean, you know, just ending anything on a par five is awesome. Let's right. all be serious here. I mean, Torrey Pines is awesome. Pebble Beach is awesome. These places end on par fives and make it tough, make it long, make the yeah. rough pick. But if you give guys a chance to make a score on the final hole, especially if nothing else, it's great. Also, let's also say this. How surprised were you that Jordan Spieth didn't make his equal put on 18? Because he saw like... He saw the he saw the putt break like four times. Brendan Grace's ball went up and down and up again. And yeah. I was like, he is burying this thing. But that's kind of what back to what I was saying about the greens, though. I lost my faith in Spieth on the greens that like that week, basically. Obviously, he made the sixteen the putt on sixteen that rocked the house. But I, I didn't. I've never seen him three putt as much as he did, and I just did. Even if you see the that perfect line on that. You can't be positive how your ball is going to roll, and, and you know one bounce early in the roll offline could drive it a foot offline. I mean, some of the putts that were missing were missing so badly that I've never not seen professionals miss that badly on greens that aren't sloped that much. So I didn't think he was going to make it, and I, he wasn't. The putt wasn't really even that close. And after seeing it four times, yeah, there's nerves factored in there. But when do we see Jordan Spieth miss a putt? You know, by eight inches, there's only about 12, 13 foot putt that didn't break that much. Am I right? I mean, it, 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 I, I couldn't see it. I, I don't even know if I've ever seen a video angle of it, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I can't, I was just, I was standing over there and I was going, this guy's going to bury this for three and this place is the, the stands are going to fall down. Like, I mean, that's how crazy people are going. And, that, uh, I was, I was hoping he would. I really was yeah. because if nothing else, it forced, it was going to force Dustin to also make three, and could you imagine people going eagle eagle to get into a U.S. Open playoff? Oh man, that's the thing. It was it was an awesome awesome finish, but just to have it end on the missed putt just felt terrible. Like if it was the other way around, uh, we wouldn't be talking that. It'd be like Stuart Sink's putt basically back in two thousand one. You know, he missed like <laughs> he missed the tap in that would have got him in the playoff. Um, and it would have kind of been more of an afterthought than it would be you know to end on that exact moment. I mean, like. The like everyone was just in shock. DJ, it didn't even look like it affected DJ though. I mean, like, was he even like aware of what happened? I was sick to my stomach. I hated it. I hated everything about it. It was. I was walk. I walked down. So our our golf cart was down on the tee at eighteen, and I was up on the left side of the green. 
and I was walking down the ferry with my hands on my head. Like, I was like, I cannot believe I just saw that. Because, so, the, the thing, we weren't going to do, our featured whole coverage wasn't going to go into Monday, because obviously we would have only had one group. Right. So, I was going to walk 18 holes with Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson playing on the playoff. I was like, this is going to be the most awesome day of work ever. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, I was like, this is going to be so great. And he hit it up there. And I, and I was like, okay, if he makes this eagle putt, it's going to be one of the greatest finishes ever at a U.S. Open. And it's going to be one of the most clutch holes ever, if yeah. you really think about it. Really, in, in major championship history. I mean, Absolutely. You know, it's funny we make fun of Sean McKeel, but you know that shot is up there. Um, you know, never happened. Singer and that never happened. happened. No, that never Eagle. happened. You know, but um, yeah, it was. It, it would have been a lot of fun. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, that was two weeks ago. We are obviously now another tournament in. Your favorite player won. Um, but I was going to ask. I wanted to ask you this because I saw this this morning. Odds for Tiger Woods to make the cut this week are even. He won't make the cut. You have to give. Money, if you if you could gamble in sports, one twenty, right? Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I don't talk about Tiger much because I mean, there's so much more stuff going on. But I am interested in the fact that, like, just like I, I would, I never thought I'd see him possibly really seriously hang him up. But I just read the Allen Iverson book, and I've just been kind of like looking up some players that. When they retired, when they decided to walk away, and I just read this great article by Brian Phillips at Grantland about Roger Federer, and you really wonder, like, it's unprecedented for a golfer to just peace out, but, like, is it crazy to think, you know? To be honest, I mean, I've, I've actually thought the same exact thing. Um, I, I don't think he would. I mean, I, we've t- I think maybe you and I have even talked about this before, Um that golfers, lo- golfers' careers go on forever, basically, as long as you want them to. Um, in this in this era, uh, especially with the technology, I mean, you can this here. You just called the U.S. Senior Open. I mean, you can play into your sixties if you want. So, I mean, I mean, think about Tiger playing golf in the year twenty thirty five. I doubt he plays much on the Senior Tour, obviously. But what what would he gain by hanging it up? You know, I mean, like. Would he he'd be going down in sports history almost as like a quitter? Like no one really retires from golf at the age of thirty nine, and I mean, you, people are tending to forget he was in the third to last group of the Masters like three months ago, like two months ago. Like right, he's not. I mean, yeah, it was the Masters, and he always plays well there. But I mean, like, it's not. He's not totally done, is he? I mean, like. He's making swing changes. I, I don't know. I, I thought in 2011, into that, and into 2012, I thought he was done, and I made that mistake. And he won three times in 12, and five times in 2013. It's like I don't know. I, 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 I just refuse to ever fully write him off. I just obviously what we're seeing is disgusting, and I don't think he's going to make the cut this week. And I <laughs> disgusting. I, it is disgusting. I mean, it's like. That's a good way to put it. He topped it is, a three wood. He topped. It's just terrible. I mean, like this is Tiger Woods. You can't be topping three woods, and I don't know what it is. I don't want to hear what people think it is. I really, really don't. I, I think I've even filtered my Twitter feed to so it like crosses out any tweets that say Tiger Woods needs to or anything yeah, like that. Like I don't want your take on that. I don't really care what he. Nobody knows what he needs to do. So, uh, I don't know. I, I agree there's so much more exciting stuff going on, and I like how Fox handled it actually on Friday 
Um, they didn't show much of his shots at all. They sh- they basically did, you know, death by a thousand knives. Uh, I don't know what the actual phrase is, but they basically showed every shot from Thursday. And I just went to bed. I mean, it was like 3 a.m. my time. I was like, I'm not staying up to watch Tiger shoot 90. And he ended up shooting 80, so good for him. But, um, I mean, it, they, they, he faded into, you know, into the background. It's just the way I think it should be. I think, you know, he should be shown on TV from time to time. It should not be the focus of broadcast anymore. I mean, he's not, not even close to the biggest story in golf right now. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I just, I, I never, I, I was, I'm the biggest Tiger defender in the sense of, I exactly what you said. I mean, in 2010 at Firestone, he finished, I think he finished last or yep. second to last and he shot a million. And, um, and I, I actually looked up articles on at the end of that, about two weeks ago, I looked up articles people wrote and there were articles basically saying, is he done or he's done or whatever. And like you said, he won eight times in two years. It's just, I, I I'm not sure I've ever seen a guy look more lost on the golf course, which is just crazy to think. Um, but I mean, it, it's, and you know, what's weird. He actually looks like he's in a good mood, like between shots and stuff, you know, like he, he looks like kind of jovial. He's like walking around, kind of smiling. He doesn't like get super mad anymore like he used to. It's almost kind of like he's like, I don't got it right now. So whatever, you know, and I mean, anyway, I mean, we don't want to focus any, um, too much time on obviously Tiger Woods, but I just it's just so weird to think where we're at now and to think that and my question is. You know, always when's the bounce back going to happen? And like, I, like I watched him stand over a couple of shots before he even took it back on the first hole at Chambers. I think it was on Thursday. It just he was standing over the ball, and I was like, "What is he doing?" Like he was so close to the ball, and his hands were like so. It was just, it was so gross looking. And then he <laughs> hit it like way right in the hay, and I was like, "Stop doing that! <laughs> what are you doing? Just make a normal athletic move." I don't know. It's just funny. I mean, like you said everybody's got their point, but it was just, it's just been weird. It's been a weird, weird year in that sense. And, um, I don't know. There, there's a lot, there's a lot more stuff going on and there's a lot of stuff to take from, from Chambers Bay. And, um, you know, we got Greenbrier this week, but I think most focus is probably headed to the old course. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty honed in on that actually as well. I mean, this is kind of the time of year where, I don't know. It's summertime. I just don't watch as much golf, to be honest. And once the majors are going, you know, I spend. I feel like I spend so much energy getting into the majors, and getting pumped for them that like, I'm sorry if I just don't get that hyped for <laughs> the Greenbrier Classic this weekend. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's summertime. It's time to be nice out and enjoying the nice weather. So I'm I'm in full British Open mode as it is. But I think you're on the same side as me. as this? It's totally cool to call it the British Open, right? Totally. Uh, I wrote a thing. I wrote a thing when I think it was like CBS days or something. And I wrote something basically saying, listen, I get if you're going to be annoyed at it, that's fine. I mean, I hate the people on Twitter that are like, every time you write it, they go, it's the open championship. Hey, I get it. It is the open championship everywhere else, but America and here y'all. And they call it the U S masters and the U S PGA. And you don't hear me yelling about it. I get it. I just, for, for contextual reasons, we call it the British open and that's just what I say. So if you want to yell at me, that's fine. I want to just get, you know what? I think I'm going to start an email and it'll be like Shane Bacon open complaints at gmail.com. And then you can just send all your complaints there and at least have a place where everybody can feel like they can vent to me because 
I'm not trying to be disrespectful. It's just what they say here. That's just what we do. Yeah, that's how we identify the golf tournament. I'm sorry. It wasn't you that told me, like, even during the, the ceremony or something last year, the, the director, I, I'm sorry, I don't know his name, whoever was presenting the trophy even said British Open? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's come on now. Stop yelling at us. Yeah. This, isn't, this isn't that big of a deal. I, I mean, unless, like, your great-great-grandfather was, like, old Tom Morris or something, like, I don't <laughs> think there's a reason for you to get that mad about it. it like, I don't get that mad about anything. Anything. That's what I was going to say is how good is your life have to be that, like, that's what you get upset about? Like, that, you know what? I, this is my final stand. I'm not going to let this go on anymore. I'm not going to let this guy call it the British Open. How many how many drafts of tweets do you think these people go through before they finally send the one where they're like, "Hey, hey, mate, it's the open." They're like, all right, gotcha, nailed it, thank you. Or oh, I love that favorite. Oh, what's the What's the British Open? That 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 one's my favorite. Oh, that is the worst. But um, so but you, it is going to St Andrews. No, okay. So listen to this, and this I'm going to write this. I'm going to write a little column about this, but I want to just bring it up with you. So I love St. Andrews, obviously. I mean, I, I'm, it's like one of my favorites. Probably, probably my favorite place in the entire world. Um, but I was, I was thinking about it. So we haven't had a good British Open at St. Andrews since 1995, right? Yep, yep. I mean, 05 was good until the back nine, though, wasn't it? I don't remember. Like, didn't, didn't Duvall hit the eject button, like, on 17? And, but wasn't it kind of close leading up to then? He, he got, okay, so in... That was in no 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 that was in two thousand was Duvall right? Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, two thousand was Duvall, and he got within four or something on nah, He shot thirty two on the front, I believe, and he got within like three or four, and then he made a double on twelve, maybe. I think he might have bogeyed eleven and doubled twelve, if my memory serves me right. And I think that was it. And and then two thousand five. Tiger just beat everybody. I think Monty finished second. And then in 10, obviously, Oosthuizen rolled, played like a different golf course that week. I, I mean, I'm pretty sure they've all been by at least five shots. 95, of course, was Daly in the in Roca playoff, which was like, I mean, if Twitter was around in, two, in 1995 oh my God. with John Daly, first of all, I mean, he would have like taken Twitter by storm. But Roka chunking that shot and then making it from the Valley of Sin, <laughs> we would have lost our minds. Yeah. It would have been a collective, there's I, there's nothing else we can do. I don't even want to watch the playoff. <laughs> so you're right. So Tiger won by five over Monty in 05, and then 2000 was by eight over Thomas Bjorn and Ernie Els. And Duvall was only six shots back going into the final round, and... I'm just looking at the Wikipedia. He didn't finish within 11 shots of Tiger. So, yeah, he hit, okay. he got ejected on the back nine. Uh, I think he made eight on 17 or something like that. But, yeah, you're right. So we haven't had a good open since 1995 at St. Andrews. So, I mean, I picture St. Andrews as uh, – they don't make a lot of modifications to this golf course, right? I mean, there's not been many changes in the last 15 years extending tee boxes, or am I completely wrong there? No, no, no. They they they've added they've added tee boxes, but yeah, that's about it. Just um, because they had to lengthen it. I mean, right. they, had, they had to. I mean, they they literally have one tee box on on one of the other courses now on, on the part five on the back. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's. But okay, so I think we have to pray for wind because I think there's been such mild conditions. Granted, uh, Friday afternoon in 2010 was when it blew really hard, and and Rory shot 80, but. Um, if we're going to have some wind throughout the week, I think that'll tighten the, the leaderboard a little bit, and that makes it not where 
some guy click and can run away with it. But, I mean, last, last 2010 it played at 7,300 yards. I mean, if that's the case, these guys are going to route this golf course, aren't they? I mean, without wind, yeah. I mean, without wind, without wind, it's going to be double digits under par every time it's here, in my opinion. Okay, but yeah, I I can't get the image of Rory winning this by like six out of my head. I don't know why. I I, I totally agree with you. I absolutely one hundred percent agree with you. That makes me nervous because that that probably won't happen then if everyone's if if <laughs> if we're all uh, if we're this far in on on the guy. But I mean, I I don't know. This feels like. A tournament that you can predict. I don't know why I want to say that. I feel like Spieth is going to be close, but I feel like Rory is going to be the guy. I think Spieth top tens, but Rory wins this thing. But I, before the season, I picked Bubba to win, and I, I mean, like, yeah. Man, he, how did you? What, were you? Did you have to take like some? I mean, you personally, <laughs> when you write those things out, like, is it like what is it like for you? Is it like are your hands shaking as you're typing? Well, like what, I, I think what, the way can you can you can you walk us through that that entire moment when well, you, when you write that down at the time? I mean, yeah, the second half of twenty fourteen was awesome, but like, I wasn't like used to getting what I want like I have for the first half of this year. I mean, Spieth has won two majors, Brooks Kepka's won, but I mean, it's been the, the 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 gift that keeps on giving this season. So looking back, I guess I shouldn't have been like so pessimistic into thinking that something terrible would happen. But I think when I wrote it, I said. I mean, Bubba already desecrated the grounds of Augusta National. It probably just makes sense that he'll just go do the same at the home of golf this summer. But I, I don't know. I, I, I feel I, him winning last week obviously doesn't, uh, doesn't help my, my fear, I guess, of him winning. And I just picture him being able to bomb it all over that place, drive greens. And, I mean, I know he hasn't had a lot of success in either the U.S. Open or the British. But, I mean, I'm not... I am like basically officially changing my pick though to Rory. Big shocker! I'm picking the the guy favorited to win the tournament. But yeah, exactly. Uh, but, out, on, out on that no laying up limb. So it's <laughs> funny. I I had a I chatted with Bubba um, a few years back. I think maybe now three four years ago. Um, <clears throat> I got a chance to sit with him in a one on one interview. That's a is that a name drop or not? Is that, um, is that a moment drop? No, I mean you're like you're you're in the you're in the business. Like that's just like that should be a part of your job. Like okay, if so, I was so dropping that, I, that'd be a name drop. It, let me say it. Hold on, let me try to do it again, and I'm going to make it sound way cooler. Okay. Hold on, here we go. Um, a few years ago, I was you know part of my job. I got to spend a moment <laughs> with Bubba Watson, just me and him. Um, anyway, I was ta- I was talking to him, and. Um, I mentioned that I thought he had a great chance this year at the British Open to win. I said he, at the time he'd only won one Masters. And I was talking to him about which major he thinks he could win besides Augusta. And I don't really know if he ever gave me like a real straight answer. But um, I said, I said because I think you've got a really good chance in 2015 at the British Open. And he really perked up. Um, and he kind of looked up at me and he was like a little bit surprised. And um, I, I, so, you know, I mean, for those that don't know, I, I, I caddied over there years ago. And it's a place where you can miss it left all day, but you can't miss it right. And Bubba is a guy that never misses a right. Obviously, it's that big old high cut for a lefty. So, and, and as you mentioned, a, a St. Andrews is a place you can overpower. So St. Andrews is a place that, you know, you can drive six, seven greens. I mean, you really can. So, um, you know, for a guy like Bubba, he's going to drive her all day. And the thing that Bubba has that people never give him credit for, and this is, this is like going to be the only time on your podcast people ever praise him for anything. Um, the guy's the guy's short game is like so amazing. I mean, his 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 imagination and stuff around the greens, and that's something else you got to do. So, 
I don't, I don't think it's crazy to have him as a favorite. I like, uh, obviously, I like Ustazen, and I like Adam Scott. I think Adam Scott's going to have a really good chance, too. God, I just got so, I mean, yeah, not, I don't know, it's weird to, weird to say this right after we just talked about Bubba, but I just got so excited for the British Open. You just mentioning, mentioning Adam Scott and Usti getting involved, I mean, like, uh, I just, I can't believe the state of the game that we're currently in. I really can't. I mean. It is bananas it, how good it is. It really is. I feel like the golf fans can really appreciate it. I feel like the general public's not really uh, getting, you know, excited about it. Obviously, there's always going to be that contention of people that only tune in with that when that one guy is in contention. But, I mean, like, I, I, yeah, Spieth has been on the cover of Sports Illustrated twice for this year for each of his majors, but... I, yeah, and again, I live overseas, and they don't really follow golf as much in Holland as they do in the U.S., I think, but way too often I'm having to describe to people, even my American friends over here, who Jordan Spieth is, and like, the, like I feel like people should be taking more notice outside. Granted, I'm, I'm inside the golf, you know, the bubble, and I spend way too much of my time, you know, talking about, writing about, making Patrick Reed jokes and whatnot, but I feel like it should be a bigger national story, don't you? I mean, Lydia Ko and him. Lydia yeah. Ko should be an enormous story, too. Like, nobody talks about this stuff. This is crazy. The two best golfers in the world right now are 18 and 21. And and we're not talking about this. Like, that's crazy. The two best golfers in the world right now are the same age combined as Tiger, <laughs> Tiger Woods. Woods. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I, mean, I already said it. You know what else is funny? So you mentioned Sports Illustrated cover, okay? And I mean, I've mentioned it. You know, he's been on two. It's kind of funny that, like, we still measure, like, importance of a athlete on, like, the sports magazine. Like, nobody talks about magazines anymore except for Sports Illustrated. Like, kudos to Sports Illustrated for continuing to m- make themselves relevant in the sense of, like, their cover being a big deal. You yeah. know, because... No other magazine really matters. I mean, nobody's like, you were on the cover of Vogue. I don't know. Maybe people talk about that. But, like, I mean, I just think it's crazy that, like, when Speed's on the cover of Sports Illustrated, it's a big deal in the sports world. Yeah, I mean, I feel like people are always tweeting the Sports Illustrated cover, you know? I mean, like, that, that's, that is still a big thing, but I don't think that necessarily means that people are going out and buying magazines or, like, or that, that it's still the biggest story, you know? I think we still kind of see... That's kind of like the barometer of what's the biggest sports story this week or, you know, of, right. this, of this month or whatnot. Um, and it's interesting to see. And we, as golf fans, pay attention to when there's a golfer on the cover. Like, we feel like, yes, we've done it. Like, we've talked about this enough. Finally, the public is taking notice. But um, I, th- I felt like it was great for the U.S. Open to be in prime time on the East Coast. Ratings were better than, you know, the East Coast, you know, um, the East Coast U.S. Opens. But... I mean, it was terrible to watch from a European standpoint. The sun was coming up when DJ missed that putt. <laughs> but I don't know. I just feel like the fact – I mean, you mentioned the name Adam Scott. Like, it's a guy I haven't even, like, thought of this year. He's basically been non-existent except for the 64 he shot Sunday at the U.S. Open. But, I mean, can we talk about the fact that Louis Oosthuizen is three shots away from having three of the four legs of the Grand Slam? Yeah, I mean, it, it's – the guy – the guy is – the guy's a monster when he wants to play well, you know? I mean, it's when he gets it going, I, what he did, what he did over the final 54 holes has not been talked about enough. It really hasn't like, I mean, that is crazy how he played that golf course. And really, you know, I, I mentioned this, he, he shot 77, in the opening round, but he made three bogeys early on Sunday. If he doesn't do that, he wins yeah. as well. You yeah. know, I mean, he made three straight bogeys on Sunday. Yeah. A crazy, crazy, crazy dude. It's, he's, 
and you and I know, I mean, we talk about this golf swing and how awesome it is and stuff like that. And I mean, it's like Matsuyama level of how much I salivate when he comes through and makes that move when he's really swinging. You know, it's like, this is so crazy. Uh, and you said, Adam Scott, this is what his finishes have been in the British Open the last three years. Second tie for third, tie for fifth. So, um, and he has Steve Williams on the bag. So, I mean, he's going to have to be, you have to put him as a factor, right? Yeah, I mean, do, do, you, you do know better than I would. Old course greens, would you say they're more, you need to know how they break? Is it kind of like Augusta, like experience pays off there? Or is it more of a course where the greens are kind of a neutralizing factor and they're not a lot to them? No, I mean, I don't, I don't, I think that they have enough subtle breaks to where obviously knowledge helps, but I, I don't think it's anything close to, to having to have experience. I mean, John Daly won there. Like, <laughs> he had a charted book. Like, you know, I mean, the, he probably was up there going, eh, it looks left lip, and he hit it. You know, I mean, it's like, I mean, you, I think anybody can kind of win there when they're on. I will say, I wonder how much. Have you ever messed around with like a long putter, belly putter, or anything like that? Yeah, a little bit. Like, uh, but, uh, yeah, I have. I can't figure. Okay. It. I don't get it at all. But well, yeah. But, but don't you feel like lag putting is tougher with that than putting short? I mean, I feel like putting short is is why you use that because it's a lot easier to, to keep kind of a, a pendulum stable yeah. move. You know? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, and and using a long putter when you're having 80, 90, 100 foot putts to me might be tougher than somebody say like Rory or Speed who just uses the regular. And so, like, maybe that's a little bit of a reason when these greens are so massive, but I don't know. I think Adam is is obviously coming to come in with some confidence and, and, and will obviously have a chance. I, it's still crazy to think he lost that British Open with four straight bogeys uh, in the final four holes. Yeah. There's, there's, some, there's some real big meltdowns in golf, and you just kind of forget about them. Yeah, uh, that one that one was just like a slow, painful death rather than, like, you know, the big miss on uh, – on, on on eighteen for for uh, for DJ, but like, all right. So let's let's think this. I want to see. I want to hear your take also on what you think. How how St Andrews matches up for Spieth. I'm kind of of the opinion that like, I don't really think the course matters too much for, right now to me. I mean, like somewhere like Sawgrass, that's kind of really a target golf is kind of what I would call that more. I I wouldn't put Spieth right near the top of guys that should play well there, but I feel like on a course that's doesn't punish you too badly off the tee. You can correct me if I'm wrong by saying that. I feel like you can you can spray it a little bit at St Andrews, um, and it gives Spieth you know opportunities to to miss in certain. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm getting at. Other than I feel like he can. It's it's a course that doesn't really suit him particularly well, but is not a bad course for him at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a bad course for him. I mean, you can spray it for sure. I mean, you can. You just have to miss it in the right spots, and obviously, he'll have all that charted out and stuff like that. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like him and Michael got it so locked in right now in, in the sense of what they do preparation wise that he'll know where to go, where to hit it, all that stuff. You know what I think suits his game is um, how confident he is with the putter from off the green, and how how often he'll pull it and use it. That'll be a weapon he can use at St Andrews, I think, and it'll be something he does a lot. Um, so I think in that sense, around the greens, he'll be as good. Obviously, I mean, he's the best putter in the world right now. But I think around the greens, he'll be able to pull that putter out from a lot of places where um, maybe some players will feel uncomfortable and he won't. And I'm with you. I think he could play any golf course right now and win. I mean, I just I think he, that's how good he's playing. Uh, one thing I find funny is this is this this big um, obsession with should he play the John Deere? Yeah. I, I'm like I'm like, dude, the guy's gonna fly private. And it's like six hours. I mean, it's like LeBron James and those guys would fly six hours 
to and then have to play basketball the next day in the NBA Finals. Like, let's. I mean, I, I just don't think that's even an issue at all. He's going to sleep on the flight. I mean, it, you know, it's. Does he? Should he play in the Scottish? I mean, I mean, if he could, but you know, I, I think it's cool that he honors the fact that it's the place that he won at, and I think any prep is good prep, you know. Yeah, I mean, th- I actually, you know, I, th- this is kind of the story that I would typically roll my eyes at, you know, overanalyzation by the golf media of of, of the uh, the fact that he's playing the John Deere. I I can kind of sympathize with it and understand where that is coming from. Um, I just because I'm, you know, I've only made, I've made a few transatlantic flights in the last year, and the jet lag has really killed me. Granted, I'm not 21 and I'm not a professional athlete, so it's a little different scenario, but. I, I can understand wanting to get somewhere and getting used to a new schedule, uh, especially when I come back east and get on the European schedule. It's diff- it's difficult. It's just hard to get to to really beat the jet lag. And what I always do is just because I, I usually do a red eye back from the U.S. to to Amsterdam, and I get in at seven a.m. and my instinct is to want to go to bed, but I just last as long as I can through the day and just try to beat it in one day. I don't really think you have that option. You can't. You can't go. Yeah, you can sleep on the flight, but as soon as you when you land, you're still off by seven hours because he's coming from the Central Time Zone. Oh no, no I guess it's six because you're only going to Scotland. But um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like you would want to make sure your body is on a full cycle to start that week. I know he's not the only one playing the John Deere, but there's a reason the John Deere doesn't get a great field there, and there's a reason. You know, Phil is not playing the John Deere Classic, and uh, I, I don't know. It, it, I do respect that he's honoring the commitment, but at the same time, I, I don't think the results of the first two majors should change his approach. I mean, I think in his mind he should be going for whatever approach is best for him to do well at the British Open. But I don't. I, I pers- it's up to him to make his schedule, obviously. But if it was me and I was his advisor, I would say let's get over to Scotland early. Well, I mean, I guess you know the. the I think you make good points on that. And I guess the one thing you could say is you call the, the tournament coordinator, John Deere, or you know what, take a page out in the newspaper and you say, you write this thing and you go, listen, I will play the John Deere every year, you know, when I can, but there's a chance for me right now to make history. There's a chance for me to go over and win the third straight leg of the grand slam. Something that has never happened in the modern era of golf is somebody winning the grand slam. So, I hope you guys can understand and and respect my decision to get over there early. And I will be there in 2016, and I will be there, you know, in signing autographs and all that stuff. Like maybe if you just kind of like make it a point to explain to the people the chance of history you have, then maybe that would make sense because everybody loves that kind of stuff. You know, you take those those full newspaper ads out when you leave town, when yeah. you know football players leave towns, and fans love that kind of stuff, and they always put it on Deadspin and everything like that. So I don't know, maybe if you did that, it would. It would help, but yeah, I mean, I, I get your. Actually, I, I, I think it's ridiculous, but you've made a good enough point to where I at least, at least can understand it. So way to go. Yeah, no, no, that's 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 fair. But yeah, you're right. If you if you murder someone, you can basically take a full page out of the newspaper and, be, sure. and it's all forgiven. Absolutely. It's all forgiven. But I mean, I feel like Speed. Yeah, he's committed to the tournament, but at the same time, he. He's too nice, you know what I mean? Like, right, you right. really don't owe anyone anything. You don't. No, I mean, like, you, don't. you, you We're trying to make history. I yeah, mean, you really are. Like, you're trying to make history that's never been done. I mean, you know, I, it's just yeah. I mean, it's it, it. It would be yeah. It would be beneficial to him to be completely ready for St Andrews. I totally agree. Plus, you know, you you want to ask, and I don't know the answer to this. How many times has he played St Andrews? I mean, yeah. really think about it. I mean, has he played it two times? 
Don't I mean, know. I don't know. No, I didn't. Probably, probably, maybe. I don't know. Maybe you should give him some pointers on it. I mean, I think you've been around there I more should, times than he has. I'll go over. You know what? I'm going to go loop for him. Yeah, <laughs> I think I did a really good job. You, <laughs> all right. I'm going to give you a really random trivia question, then we're going to go to a couple Twitter questions, and then we're going to let you go. I, if, I will give you – I will personally pay for you to come over to the British Open. If you can name the only two Americans that finished in the top ten in the 2010 British Open at St. Andrews. They both finished tied for seventh, ten shots behind Louis Oosthuizen. Oh, goodness, top ten. Two, only two Americans. Two Americans finished inside the top ten in 2010. I mean, they have to be completely random if you're doing this. I mean, they're pretty um, random. Oh, it's just, just um, I want to. I'm highlighting how far golf has come in the last five years. Okay, um, Chad Campbell. Okay, and Lucas Glover. No and no, but good. Good a lot. You know that's that, those are guesses along the same category, guys. That I was going for, but Sean O'Hare and Nick Watney. Both, oh wow! Both tied for seventh at minus six. Wait till you get this though. Tied for 11th, Jeff Overton. <laughs> tied for 14th, Ricky Fowler. Also tied for 14th, Tom Lehman. I mean, that you, the Lehman. You know what's funny is I was thinking Ricky Fowler's name, but for whatever reason, I, I, I for whatever reason, I mean, I wouldn't have guessed Nick Watney and Sean O'Hare in a billion guesses. I, I forgot Nick Watney was tied for the lead or leading at Whistling Straits. Yeah. Oh, he shot like he 82 shot or something someday. Or something, yeah. He? <laughs> yeah, he went. Um, he hit it into the lake there, which is not easy to do. The whole course is set on the lake, but that lake does not come into play. I think number seven, he hit it into the lake at Whistling. But we'll get, we'll get into that in the PGA Championship preview. That's right. That's right. Maybe if Speed wins, we'll have a... We'll have a, we'll have a, every day we'll do a different podcast about that. But uh, Fowler shot 79 the opening day there, then finished 67, 71, 67 to finish that well, minus four. That's interesting. I mean, Rory McIlroy finished third and shot 80 in the second Yeah, round. my God. Easy. It's insane. Yep, he's going to win. We've established that. So, All right, let's go to some Twitter questions. Adam Sarson wants to know why you weren't drawing any drawings for the U.S. Open this year on Twitter like you were for the Masters. Well, I had a different position this year, and, and I was broadcasting like nine hours a day, and I didn't bring my drawing pens. So really, two reasons. Two reasons. So, and I, I'm actually curious of this: is how hard is it? What were your shifts, first of all? Because you weren't on straight for nine hours, were you? I mean, I was I was on for the better part. I, right. I, I would. Um, so you, we had we had two minute commercial breaks. I think two or three times an hour. Um, so if you had to go to the restroom, you could run out really quick and go. Um, I had a guy. We had we had a couple guys that could fill for us if we needed like a lunch break. So I the first day I only took one break. So I probably did it for like eight and a half hours of, of the nine hours. Um, then the other three days I had two breaks that so were about thirty minutes each. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you were. It, it was funny. I, 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 you know, I'd finish up. My my girlfriend was out in Seattle for like the like the last three or four days, and we went to dinner on Friday. And she was like, tell me about your day. And I was like, no, you tell me about your day. <laughs> the last thing I want to do is talk about anything right now. <laughs> You're just so tired. You know, you, you've been, because I mean, you know, you have to be on and, and, yeah. and be on and be talking. You know, it's just a, it's a lot, but it's, you, the first day, you're so amped up, jazzed up and stuff. I mean, it was like 4 or 5 p.m., and I didn't even realize it. You know, yeah. you don't even realize what's going on. But I mean, so how hard is it to talk about golf for that long without, 
repeating yourself? And like, is it easy? So you saw you were watching, you were broadcasting two holes, twelve and fifteen. Twelve is a drivable par four. Fifteen was an interesting par three. How is it easier? You think to do like two holes and have every group come through twice, or is it easier like for the PGA Tour feature groups? You know, to do you know to follow one group around for an entire day. What would you think is well, easier? Well, I. I, I, I can tell you both because I did featured group at the senior the U.S. Senior oh. Open. Yeah, I was um, I was totally tuned into that. You're right. Sorry, I forgot. No, no, no. <laughs> trust me, it's totally understandable. Um, I think featured group was tougher because you have to talk about those people the whole time. Right. The nice the nice thing. Okay, so obviously, what's changing for both things in featured hole? You're getting the same hole. That's your constant, but. You're getting different players all day long. Feature group, the constant is the players, and it's changing as the holes. Um, how much excitement can you have about talking about the hole? I mean, obviously, you set the hole up. You talk about what it is. You can talk about what the stroke average is. But those things aren't necessarily nearly as fun and exciting to talk to. Is you know, if you have Phil come through, then who stays, and then Adam Scott, then Justin Rose. You know, those guys all coming through allow you a lot more conversation. So to me, it was a lot easier to fill time doing featured holes. That being said, if you're doing featured groups, you're on for four and a half hours, five hours, maybe, you know, for featured holes, you're on the entire from start to finish. So, um, it's a longer shift for featured holes, but I thought it was easier to talk about the holes because you've got different players changing. Yeah. I I figured that as much, but at the same time, I just, it's gotta be so hard to not go do the thing that you and I like to make fun of it's point to the one thing that all broadcasters point out about a certain player. Like when Eric Compton comes through, you have to mention that he's a two-time heart transplant. You know, you know what? I was, I, I gotta say this. I don't get proud of myself very much. And, and I'm pretty self-deprecating for pretty much the whole part, but I made it a point, And I've told you this even before all this went down is one of my goals in all of this broadcast and stuff was to not just say the stuff that everybody's heard all the time. And I made it a point, a number one priority of mine not to do that. And I will say I, I avoided it at all costs. I think the only one I did was um, Robert Dameron is, is friends with Sam Saunders. I mean, he's played a lot of golf with him, and he knows, he knows Arnold Palmer well. <laughs> and so, of course, you know, mentioning Arnold Palmer along with Sam Saunders allowed, you know, my, my, my co-host, basically, Robert Dameron, to, to elaborate on Sam Saunders' career and him growing up and stuff like that. But I really, really tried not to do that stuff, and I thought I was okay at it. If nothing else, no mention of the slim down Jason Duffner, or I didn't talk about his weight loss. I didn't talk about how athletic Dustin Johnson was. <laughs> I didn't say he could literally jump over the sound or anything like that. I, you know, I, I just there's so many more things, you know, and so I mean that was that was kind of my hope and goal was to at least, if nothing else, focus on that stuff. Plus, you know, during U.S. Open week, you're really trying to talk about the u.s open yeah. you know so i mean there's there's not a there there's not totally worth it for me to you know spend all the time talking about what the guy did five years ago or anything like that but can did, did you know dj can dunk a basketball though like did, I, you know what i i heard that okay. i'm gonna i'm gonna confirm it i'm gonna confirm okay. it with it with adidas and see if that's true because i feel like you could have um, mentioned that on the broadcast then because it was it probably was it probably could have been thrown in there back He's nine on sunday i mean that yeah. guy is a, that guy is an athlete i'm telling you what <laughs> Wingspan, explosiveness at the point of attack. You could have worked that in there. But. If, he, if only he could have tried to dunk the eagle putt, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right, last question. Ryan Clark is asking. I think it's a kind of a good one. Better chance of this of happening. Speed completes the Grand Slam or Big Cat gets a W in any PGA event this season? Oh, my goodness. I mean... That's a good I mean, question. 
I gotta go Tiger. I think. I think so too. Yeah. I think the odds of of speed. You know, I think the. the, the I mean, the, the hardest thing would be to win three in a row, of course, because he has to win the third straight. I think Whistling Straits is the place that he can't win. I mean, not, not can't win, but I think that'll be a tougher win for Speed. Yeah, that, that's going to be long, isn't it? I mean, I played there two, three years ago, and it was like 7,800 yards or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it is forever. It was, and we played the tips, and we didn't know that it was 7,800 yards. We thought it was 72, <laughs> and oh my God, did it beat me up. I literally did not know yeah, until after the 18th hole, I'm hitting three iron into 18. It's like the fourth par four over 500 yards. And I asked my caddy, I was like, I was like, you, is this really only 7,200 yards? He looked at me, he's like, no, it's 78. He's like, you haven't been noticing that there's been no other divots on the back tees where you've been playing? I'm like, he's, I was like, really? He's like, yeah, no, I've never seen anyone play this all the way back. And, you're like, thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. No, <laughs> I mean, I, I shot 90, so I'm pretty sure he was like really, really wondering as to why I was playing all the way back. And if I had known that, I don't think I would have. But you screwed it up a bit. No, <laughs> yeah. I and, and so, no, I, that's a good question. And you, you say Tiger as well? I think so, but I'm looking at the schedule of remaining events, and I mean, two of his starts remaining are going to be majors, and then he's going to play Firestone. He's going to play this week at Greenbrier. What else is there? What am I missing? His his event in DC. Make, he's not going to make the playoffs unless something crazy happens. So those are out. His um, event in DC. I don't even know when that is now. I think that's in between. Is that is that after the? Is that, that next after? weekend? Yeah, it's, I think it's no next weekend's John Deere, right? We're really that close to the British already. God, we're, we're we're sixteen days from the first round. Okay, yeah, I'm an idiot. I'm yeah, I'm going to the British Open and I don't even know this. Okay, um, yeah, well, yeah, I don't know when when his event is. Maybe that's right after the British. But I mean, I, there's not a lot of tournaments left for him to play in. But uh, so we're, what are the uh, the five thirty eight is saying the odds of Spieth winning are one percent. So we saying there's a better than one percent chance that Tiger wins a tournament this year. I guess maybe something clicks. He's got Firestone. I mean, I guess you put it. You put it at a better one percent that he wins there. Yeah. So he's, there's Canadian Open after the Open, and then the Quicken Loans National. So that's what, and then that's that's the end of his. And then one, uh, one week break. No, then the next week is Bridgestone, and then PGA. Then he's done. <laughs> other than other than the Presidents Cup, because he's surely going to be on that team. Oh man, Who, who's who's the captain for that? Is it couples? I just assumed it was couples. No, it's not. Um, is it Jay Haas? <laughs> that actually, yeah, that does sound right. I think it's Jay Haas. Is there going to be one single person that watches the President's Cup this year? Man, it is. It is just. It is just such a rough, rough thing. And it's. In, it is Jay it's, Haas. Is it, it's, it's in. in it's in Korea, right? Yeah, it's in Korea. Who? What time zone does that even benefit? I, I guess me better than you. I don't know. I don't know. I just I remember staying up for that Rory Tiger battle in China one time, and I think it was on at like three or four in the morning in Arizona. So I guess maybe it'd be six a.m. here. Yeah. So it's eleven thirty. It's four thirty-eight right now in Holland. It's ten thirty-eight for you on the East Coast, and it's eleven thirty-eight in South Korea right now. So it's eleven hour. You no, know, it's thirteen hours ahead for you, and seven hours ahead for me. Yeah. I guess that's kind of like being the, the British Open being on in the U.S. for me. So it would be better for me than it would be for you, I think. But, well, then, hey, you'll have to watch it and let me know how it goes. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not volunteering for that at all. So, 
All right, if we're talking about the 2015 President's Cup, then that is officially a wrap. We have covered absolutely everything. I think that's that's when you say goodbye. (laughs) Uh, Is Tiger going to be a captain's pick for the 2015 President's Cup? Tune in next time on the No Leg Up Podcast. I cannot wait until that debate goes around. (laughs) All right, Mr. Shane Bacon, thank you very much for joining us as well. Um, We will do this again probably around PGA Championship time. And uh, follow Shane on Twitter. You're probably doing that, at Shane Bacon. And what's coming up next for you on um, with Fox? Um, I actually have a couple, two or three weeks off. I'm uh, I'm gonna be. Um, I think I'm gonna be on a vacation during British Week, but my dad's gonna be with me as well. So um, we're gonna be getting up early and 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 watching the watching the British from Alabama. Bama, so, Robert um, Robert Trent yeah, Jones Golf Trail. Nothing much happened, and I think for me work wise till PGA, I'll just be you know writing and all that stuff on FoxSports.com. You hitting up the uh, Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail down there? Uh, you know what? I don't know where we're going to play. We're, we'll be down there. I think there's a course right by our little house. We're, we're written out on the ocean, and I think we're probably just going to bum over there and play. But I, uh, I'm playing some some golf this weekend. I, I hadn't taken my sticks out in a few weeks, so I'm pretty excited about that. And then um, just kind of winding down from the two weeks on the road. And, um, actually, and one thing that is coming up, I'm going I'm to be part of Callaway Live. Um, I'm going to be a guest at Callaway Live next week. So I'm going to be in San Diego for that for a day. But um, So if you haven't checked out Callaway Live, make sure you check that out and make sure you look for it next week when I pop up on their little uh, on their channel. Sweet. We'll do, man. Cool. Thank, thank you as always, my friend, and we will uh, do this again soon. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yes! Yeah! I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect 